This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College, president of New Perspectives. It's an open topic day today, so we're looking for your calls and emails on your personal finance issues that you have. Give us a call by uh, dialing, punching up, whatever the new term would be, at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So I guess uh, you really don't dial anything anymore. Uh, punch, I guess. I, I would think everyone would have us on speed dial by now, wouldn't you think? There you go. All right. So that's very easy. Then it's just one one punch and you're uh, in line to get your uh, question answered. Also, what is the difference between an associate professor and an assistant professor? Um, it just It means I have tenure. Ah, yes. very important. Yes, very, very good. Important. Um, all right. So, uh, how uh, how have you all been? We've uh, I think we had a, a repeat last week. So, Nancy, I know that uh, you've been out for a while. So, hope things are going well. Uh, anything uh, exciting and important going on? Well, I think it's ex- exciting at Chris's house. He's he's gotten another one off to college, and he's got the last one as a senior in high school. High school right. So we're going to make a high school senior run here, and I, I hate to say it, but it's going it's going to go fast and. I want to try to slow it down some on the weekends, I guess, so I feel like I can slow it down and visit. But um, uh, it's, um, you know, going back a number of years ago, I was sitting here watching them run around and do what I tell you to do and this and still the same. But And now that, they're ignoring you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Dad, you you know, don't show up, don't say that in, in a way. But, but we, need to be, we need to be kind to Chris because very shortly he will have two in college at the same time. Yeah, that's that's what I tell my wife. We'll be splitting a lot of meals and having fun. <laughs> she laughs at me. I always kind of give her this, and it's part of it. it. You know, everybody goes through it. You just try to, you know, plan and work through it and make good decisions. And um, uh, I just, again, I just want them to have a good good college experience but take care of business. So, Nancy, when did uh, the semester start at uh, MC? Well, classes start this week. Okay. And so we have students back on campus and uh city of clinton is always happy to see them all come back because that's a lot of economic activity <laughs> you know and uh so they're all running around uh, they're uh hitting the grocery stores and and the dollar stores and uh you know the fast food places of course and uh but it's it's nice to see them back and the campus active again i mean and, and i hadn't seen much in the news lately when you said economic activity clinton i was thinking about okay here we go with you know with the tire plant i mean what have you heard nancy I mean, well, that's a know. long way off. Um, I think they are looking at uh, breaking ground, but we're still, you know, probably two or three years away from that being a reality. But we are very excited about that on that uh, side of the uh, metro area. Uh, what about uh, some financial news to share? Well, we had some good jobs numbers uh, in the last few weeks. Always get those jobs numbers the first Friday of every new month. It tells us what happened in the previous month. So nationwide, we had really good numbers, and our nationwide unemployment rate sits at 4.9%. The bad news there is that Mississippi is at 6%. So we're, you know, above average in not a good way. Um, the highest unemployment rate 
by state, it goes to Alaska, which makes sense at 6.5% with the oil decline. One positive that's happened this week is we've seen oil prices increase. So they've gone from about 40 to 47 or $48 a barrel. That certainly helps our oil stocks, and that's why we've seen some um, nice highs on the Dow lately. But we may see some increases at the pump. Well, I, th- I would think, uh, well, I don't know about this. I don't want to speak for most consumers. But if, if there were some sort of happy median there where, you know, gas is still relatively cheap, but the price goes up. It to is support- always relative, right? You mm-hmm. know, so um, it, as long as it doesn't go up too high and as long as it's a gradual increase, I think mm-hmm. people will adjust. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. As I mentioned, it's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Uh, you can get in touch with us when you call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. We have some open phone lines, so if you have a question for us, uh, please feel free to call in and you'll be first in line. Uh, our producer, Sam Wells, found an interesting article mentioning that school has started uh, across the country. Uh, this is a list of uh, graduates with the most debt, uh, and it didn't necessarily go to the most expensive colleges. About 60% of graduates left the school in 2015 with some debt. That's according to a report from LendEDU, a company that helps borrowers refinance their student loans. It's based on the most up-to-date data reported from the colleges themselves. So four-year colleges with the highest average debt per borrower. Number one, National University, $52,986. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of National University either. So uh, maybe we can uh, do a Google search there and figure out where that is. Number two, uh, Grambling State University, $51,887. That's, I think, in Louisiana, if I'm not Mm -hmm, mistaken. Uh, Number three, Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary, $50,033. Uh, I would have guessed that's in Charlotte. That's uh, a lot of praying. That's all I got to say. <laughs> number four, Wesleyan College in Georgia, 48,460. And uh, the number five is the Stevens Institute of Technology, $48,244. That seems to be a, a big, a, 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 a large amount of debt to be graduating with. Well, and one of the things that has happened is a lot of um, these, what we call for profit colleges, um, we are seeing higher debt levels there. We know that students have a greater tendency to um, default on debt when they don't get a degree. And that's what we have seen at a lot of the for-profit colleges. And uh, we are very proud at Mississippi College that we have um, um, not been part of that group. And uh, we do sit, still see students make use of uh, borrowing in order to go to school. But the real trick is getting them through with a degree and getting them into a job where they can pay back that loan. National University is the second largest private nonprofit institution of higher learning in California and the 12th largest in the United States, according well, to Wikipedia. They're calling themselves a, a nonprofit, but I have to wonder. Flexible schedules and classes at uh, nu.edu in case anyone is interested yeah. in working up a lot of yeah. debt when they go to college. Easy to sign up. Um, but, easy uh, to incur all that debt. <clears throat> Grambling State, that seems to be an odd uh, one on that list, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, up there at 51887 You know, we've talked about paying for college uh, on previous shows, so this is a good chance for you to search MPB Money Talks on your favorite podcast app, and you can subscribe to the MPB Money Talks podcast. 
We have shows with State Treasurer Lynn Fitch on impact, as well as a program on student loans and a bunch of other programs on ways to pay for college. So, again, uh, find your favorite podcast app. Search for MPB Money Talks. Make sure you put the MPB in front of it, uh, and you can subscribe. That way you'll never uh, miss a show, and you can always go back and reference uh, information that we uh, aired on previous shows. And uh, it's going to be busy for us in September. We're going to welcome bankruptcy attorney Frank Coxwell next week. So uh, if you have any questions about bankruptcy, you can send those in in advance. Uh, money at mpbonline.org. Also, we've got shows lined up in the coming weeks about Social Security and life insurance. So September is going to be busy. Uh, it is for most of us as the families go back to school, that sort of thing. So we'll be busy on money talks as well. And also, Kevin, about the podcast, if you uh, subscribe to it, you can help us beat other shows here, which is more important than <laughs> the race uh, against uh, against our competitive shows. We want on to the... be winners, right? Yes, that's right. We want to be it's number a, one. It's uh, a on spirited, the, uh, uh, friendly competition among all the local shows here at MPB is who will get the most uh, subscriptions on their podcast. So again, remember though, MPB Money Talks. Money Talks is apparently a popular title, catchy, and so uh, you got to make sure you get our program. Just put MPB in front of it when you do the search. Yeah, we don't talk about second place. That's right. Well, you know, it's interesting. When the Olympics were on, <clears throat> I, I, I heard something or read something that uh, obviously everybody tries for the gold, but it, it's almost, they said it was better to get the bronze medal than the silver medal because... The bronze medal was like, well, you did well enough to get a medal, but the silver medal is, you know, you finished in second, and that's... You didn't get the gold. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll that, still take any medal if it was me, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's uh, interesting. And, uh, uh, you know, the Olympics ended uh, on Sunday, so I think... Um, that story with Ryan Lochte seemed to be uh, dominating the headlines there uh, at the uh, latter part of the games. It was, uh, it was an interesting... Uh, Thing, I, you know, what got me about that was his original story was that, <clears throat> you know, the people with guns come and told him to get down on their hands and knees, and the other swimmers did. But he said, "I didn't do that because I knew I didn't do anything wrong." And my thought would be, if someone is holding a gun on you, that you do whatever they say, whether you think you're doing something right or wrong. But well, I just, I just hope his mother pinches his ears back <laughs> a little bit. Well, and it's, uh, it's financially going to cost mm-hmm. him his uh, speedo, and um, I can't remember who the other. I think it was a clothing Ralph line. Ralph Lauren. Yeah, I heard four or five sponsors. I don't know, you know, y'all, y'all named off two, but yeah, it's going to cost him. So. That's, uh, I'm sure that he regrets that whole incident. Hey, we've got some open phone lines uh, ready to take your personal finance questions. Uh, we need to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be able to take your questions. Also, I found a list of 22 things that you should always buy generic, so we'll go through that as well. We're looking for your personal finance questions on Money Talks. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more Money Talks after this.
Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum Mississippi, providing learning experiences on all forms of music. Educator resources online and museum tours for grades K through 12 are available. Information at education at grammymuseumms.org. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janders, an associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspective. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. We do have a caller. So let's invite Steve in from South Haven this morning. Hello, Steve. Good morning. I have a uh, question. I'm preparing to take out a home loan in the fall. And um, looking at my credit score and uh, credit reports, I now have about 34% usage on my uh, credit cards. And my question is, uh, that's about $15,000 roughly. Would it be beneficial for me to take out a, uh, a consolidation loan, pay off those credit cards, or um, or is it too close to applying for the uh, mortgage loan to actually open another line of credit and take out a, a, another loan? Um, right now, I would just sit tight, maintain those credit cards. Um, uh, and it sounds like, you know, I didn't hear you say, but I sound like you probably got the credit score that will qualify. I guess the credit score is around 640, 650 now. Um, you know, on the back of my mind might be a debt to income ratio, but right now, yeah, cause I don't, I wouldn't want you to show another, um, uh, open line of credit, opening up and then closing all those credit cards out. I just kind of leave everything alone, pay as agreed, uh, and then move forward on your mortgage, uh, mortgage loan, uh, approval process. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't really thinking about my, my, uh, credit score is, uh, in the high 600, 690 in that range. Uh, I wasn't really considering closing the cards rather than just getting the balance off of them. I know that can negatively affect your credit score having more than a 30% uh, but, but utilization. You're, but you're still going to have the debt. You know, if you're going to go to right. a consolidation loan, you're still going to have the debt. So that's going to be an issue as well. Um, so I don't think you're really accomplishing anything by doing that. And as Chris said, you may be dinging the score by having an additional request, an additional mm-hmm. account being opened. Okay. Well, that, that answers my question. All right, Steve. Also, one final reminder. Again, uh, even if you if you have an open credit card, even if it has a zero balance, uh, your credit limit is somehow uh, f- factors in uh, on your on your credit score as well. So, uh, thanks for the call. Good luck. And I would say, I mean, in that case, maybe instead of the the separate consolidation loan, maybe just make a concerted effort to pay on those two credit cards uh, as they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's is sounds like been been managing the credit cards. Looking to you know, big goal is for the home loan. I'm, I'm gonna say it's purchase money, purchasing a house. Um, uh, get over that hump first, get your budget in line, then sit down and say, okay, now let me generate my energies toward paying off these credit cards. If I've got low interest rates on them, you know, really, really aggressively attack them and um, uh, and see if you can make progress over about a year. Got another caller on the line. Looks like uh, David in Memphis has a comment for us. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. I would just like to say I think it's probably never a good idea or hardly ever a good idea to do what the caller that was just on the air uh, said, and that's taking out another home loan to consolidate all of his credit card bills because, in effect, what you're doing is turning all of your unsecured debt into a secured debt, and if anything ever happens, uh, the credit card companies could end up 
taking your house, more or less. Well, it is true that, um, uh, and of course, I don't think that's what he was talking about. That's not what we understood. But it is true if you use your home equity to then pay off consumer credit on credit cards, then you're doing what you're talking about, secured versus unsecured. That's a huge difference. So secured debt says if you don't make your payments, I can take the collateral, in this case, your house. I can put a lien against it. Whereas if you have credit card debt, and this is where a lot of people get confused, it's not secured by anything. Okay, you bought a couch, you bought some clothes. They can't come and take those things. They can hit your credit and harm your credit record, but they can't take anything away from you at that point that you already own. And so there is that difference. Now, in some cases, I will advise people to do that if they're in a very serious situation and um, and we have the conversations about, okay, once you do this and convert it to secure debt, then you have to be disciplined about making those payments and clearing it out. Yeah, and, and as when Nancy said, you know, she'll advise somebody to do that, I'd say at a point in time that they're saying, look, I need relief. I need to really exactly. get. Yeah. And, and even if you say, well, I'm going to close out. If I got five credit cards over $20,000 on it and said, I'm going to take out an equity line, clean it up, then, you know, we're not talking really more about the score. Yeah, you'd like to kind of protect it, even if you were current on credit cards. But the objective is, okay, I'm moving this money over. I'm putting up my house uh, as a second mortgage, let's say it like that. Uh, but I'm going to aggressively attack this with a low interest rate, and I'm getting out of the credit card business. Good point, David. Thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for us on this open topic day on Money Talks, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Now, a peek behind the scenes uh, at the studio here. We have a very high-tech way of receiving emails. Uh, the person prints them out and actually shoves them under the door. So what I'm going to do just here real quick is... He's reaching over to grab them. Yes. So... We normally don't talk about how the sausage is made, but I always thought that it's kind of funny that uh, we just slide it right under the door, but it seems to work well for us. So uh, we do have some emails here. This first one says, state employees always brag about their huge 13th check based on COLA. Can you explain this? Why does PERS give large COLA checks when there is little inflation? Does any taxpayer money fund these pensions? Um, well, I'm not sure how they calculate uh, the cost of living on those at this time, I don't know if they just use CPI, but um, understand that it is um, compensation for inflation that takes place through the years. And those retirees can choose to get that in one check or they can choose to have it added to their monthly amount, which is what the intention is, is that we're making up for this change in the cost of living through the years. And it is compounded, so it, it can get rather large. Um, again, I don't know how the state calculates that. Maybe somebody out there can tell us. Um, I would assume that it's going to track the consumer price index, which is what is used to track um, cost of living adjustments on Social Security. So um, we'll just have to find that out. But you're right. I've, I think a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't until uh, did some research on it, that it's not necessarily the 13th check. You can choose that route. But again, you can also uh, choose to take that uh, spread out over the month. I mean, over the year as, as it would be a boost uh, to your uh, monthly income. And I uh, know when 
uh, retirement coming up uh, sooner or later uh, that I think I would probably go with that route because I'm one that I think would be too tempted to when you get that check, spend it on something that's not a wise use of the money. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know my spending habits and sometimes when you get a windfall like that, I'm not the best at doing well with it. So to me, it would be better to have it parceled out over the year. Well, but I I know a lot of retirees who prefer to try to just scrimp a little bit, even though it's now costing more than it did five years ago when they first retired. But they would rather do that and have a nice amount that's it's like built-in savings for them that they can do something, take a trip, uh, put towards a car or uh, maintenance on a house, those kinds of things. But again, I think that's important that when each person needs to kind of understand their own approach to money and spending and that kind of thing and, and make decisions based on that. Some people have a, a better financial discipline. That would be the way to go. And I probably would do it, but I just, I would, I, I know the way I spend, I, I would just be afraid that, some, you know, more often than not that that would go to. Well, I, I think it's really important to point out to people that this is not just a windfall, here's some extra money to state retirees. It really is a recognition of the rise in the cost of living. we got another caller on the line, so we say good morning to Adube in Hattiesburg. Yes, um, good morning. I have a question or kind of like an, an advice. So um, my spouse, she, we just moved down to Mississippi. Um, she's going to medical school, so we're able to take out some loan. But the thing is um, we want her to use some of the proceeds from the loan for upkeep and also pay off some of our credit cards so that we don't have a lot of um, bills coming up during this um, transition. So I just wanted to find out what would be your advice on this. Well, your biggest problem is if you use student loans to pay off credit cards, um, you know, credit cards can be discharged in bankruptcy. Student loans, it's almost impossible. So um, you have to be sure if you start to do that and you go down that road that you're going to be committing to making those payments, whatever happens. Now, if you're talking about medical school and you're seeing that there's going to be um, a good income potential at some point, you might want to consider that to give yourself some relief. But I would say be very cautious about using that type of debt, student loans, which usually cannot be discharged in bankruptcy to pay off a loan that could be discharged in bankruptcy. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Uh, We've got another email here that says, I'm in a tight spot and hope you know of a program or mortgage lender who could help. I'm 69 and need many repairs to my home, which is my only asset. I'm on a fixed retirement income. Uh, any thoughts, any suggestions on, on what to do in a situation like this? Uh, I would suggest maybe uh, call 211, uh, call United Way and talk to them, and they can maybe refer that individual out to some resources possibly that um, I, I'm not going to say a mortgage company, but maybe might be a few nonprofits that, that can come out and look or suggest some things or uh, might be somebody uh, also too is I'll probably maybe call a couple local churches, see if they could assist in, in some way. Well, this may be one of the rare cases when you might want to look into a reverse mortgage. I'm not a reverse mortgage fan, but if this is someone who has um, a lot of equity, and and many people at that age already have their homes paid off, but they have needs and they want to stay in the home, then that would be one way to go. It can be an expensive route, but if you have no other assets and no other way, it's a last resort kind of thing. And as we've talked about those before, again, obviously, it's something when you're getting into something like that, you want to make sure that you read all of uh, the agreement and and fully understand that, and maybe even 
you know, uh, seek some legal assistance as you as you look into that to make sure you understand all the ramifications and what exactly you're getting yourself into. Got another caller on the line. So this time we're off to Oxford. We say good morning to Mary. Hello, Mary. Uh, good morning. Let me turn my radio down. Okay. Um, I have a question about the cola that someone was speaking about. Uh, I my question is, well, uh, if you uh, take your money every month for the cola instead of at the end of the year, then when you die, you will have gotten a certain amount of money, right? Already. <laughs> But if you take it at the end of the year, my question is, is that cola um, sent to you? Oh, gosh, I can't remember because we had this come up with some clients just recently. Um, and and I'm thinking maybe we've got uh, somebody from the state personnel board who can tell us. I'm thinking that that does go Wait, because, oh, Kevin, I'm trying to remember if the COLA is calculated based on what's going to happen, I think, the next year versus what's happened the previous year. So that means if you died, then you you would you would have already gotten what you would need okay. from the previous year. I think that's right. All right. Well, I was just wondering. I've already taken it monthly, so I'm not worried about it, but I was just curious. I, I'm pretty sure that's the way it works. We might have somebody who can tell us. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Bye-bye. Mary. Uh, this is Money Talks. Time for another quick break. When we get back, we've got some emails to get through, and also hopefully we'll get to uh, at least part of the list of some uh, things, uh, suggestions that you should always buy generically. Uh, also, if you have some things that you buy generic that you uh, have been saving money on, you could call and uh, let us know about that. And we're also looking for your personal finance questions. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send us an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the program after this. Mississippi is our mission. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford and Nancy Lodridge Anderson. On an open topic day, we're looking for your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. One of the things I like about our local shows is that a lot of times we talk about something, someone calls in, and we have other people who are listening that call in with some additional information. And I think that might be the case as we talk to Sheila in Jackson. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. I just heard the lady uh, call in that needed uh, help on housing repairs. And I wanted to pass along some information because there seems to be a big uh, demand uh, need for that. My mother, um, when she was alive, 
um, was, you know, low income, but she had her own home and it needed to be repairs. And so in the the USDA, which it used to be the FHA, but it's now the Rural Housing Development uh, part of U- the USDA, offers uh, loans and grants up to $10,000 for home repairs for people in rural areas. And they also have a program for uh, free energy um, efficiency where they'll come in and put in, you know, extra insulation or uh, new windows or what have you if you need those to make your home more energy efficient. So just wanted to let you know that that, that is a resource available to people in um, what's rural areas and sometimes you know it can even be communities because it's based on population not um you know municipalities mm-hmm. so. all right sheila thanks very much for that tip then that's a good idea that we it was an emailer that uh, that wrote in and so uh, the rural housing uh, development grant uh, that might be something uh, just good to research online try to find that out and uh, maybe that will be a source of assistance we got another caller on the line this time it's off to biloxi we go we say hello to peggy good morning peggy Good morning. Go ahead. I was just wondering, I'm getting ready to sell my house, and I know I'm going to take a loss on it. I do have some money in savings because my husband had passed away about a year ago, and I had some life insurance money from him. I didn't know whether it was smarter to use that or to see about getting a loan so I could improve my credit rating somewhat also. Um, Peggy, so do you still have a mortgage on the house? Yes. Okay, and so you are what's called upside down, meaning that the value of the house is less than what you owe, right? Yes. Um, So you're going to have a problem, I would think, even trying to go through closing unless you can pay it down already. So I wouldn't pay it all the way down, but if you can apply some of that money to your existing mortgage so that you reduce what is owed. Um, so when it goes up for sale, it's not, um, you know, you don't have to go through all kinds of extra things to show uh, or, or even uh, face um, having to deal with the, the mortgage lenders taking less on the loan. So that's just to make it easier to get through the process. What's the difference between the mortgage and the value? Um, that I don't know. I forgot to mention it is already up for sale. It's been for sale in the market for about a month. Okay, so you already have a price put on it, and I'm assuming that a, a real estate agent helped you with that? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the price is 92 right now, and I know I owe about 90 and I know there's going to be closing costs, and I know I'm going to take a loss. Okay, so so maybe if you just put somewhere between five to 10000 down, do you have enough to do that? I do. Okay. I that... didn't know whether that was what I needed to do or if it was... Yes, because if you don't do that, then you have to you have to show you can show up at closing with Mm -hmm. that amount of money. Right, Chris? Or you have to work with the mortgage lenders who will say we'll take less than the value of the loan, which opens up a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if this is a, a. And I'm being honest with you, kind of like a distressed sale, but I don't, I'm kind of gathering it's not. Bottom line is, if your goal is to sell that house, you've got to make sure you've got cash funds that, after all said and done, to bring to the table to, to close the deal out. And, um, and, um, it sounds like, yeah, you can't drop the price a whole bunch. Um, uh, but there's, yeah, there's going to be some cost. And, and I, if you've got up to around $10,000, uh, I'm saying that 
that that's a, probably a safe range. Work with your realtor a little bit and try to really try to pin that down a little bit more. What do you, you know, scenario A, B, or C, what you might have to bring to the table so you kind of know what kind of funds to look at. Uh, but the bottom line, the goal is if you're trying to sell the house, you got it for sale, you just got to make sure definitely that you save everything you can, that when it comes to closing, it's a done deal. Well, and I would say also ask your real estate agent about a short sale, which is the situation that you're talking about, where your mortgage lender would then agree to take less than what is owed on the house. But that really is a longer process, and it's a much more difficult process. I thought a short sale would only apply if you weren't able to make your payments. No, um, no. That's the short sale is just uh, strictly um, selling the house for less than what is owed on the house, and so that mortgage lender has to give approval for that to happen. They have to be willing to write off a portion of the loan. Oh, okay. All right, uh, Peggy, uh, thanks for your call. Hope we gave you some uh, advice to go on, some information there. Uh, we've got some more emails to plow through here. This one from Larry says, over a year ago, I paid off a home mortgage. The month following the payoff, the FICA score shown on my credit card statement dropped over 30 points from 850 to 817. I'm employed near retirement age, have no debts other than routine monthly expenses, and have other assets. I have two credit cards which I use because of the cashback features, but have always paid balance in full each month. Is it common for credit score to drop after paying off a mortgage, or is the credit card FICO score an inaccurate reflection of the reporting agency's FICO score? No, well, he just what he did. He just paid off an open line that he's been paying on for months or and and for years. But also, it was a current account, so he paid that off. I mean, congratulations! Hey, good deal. Really? Um, yeah. Now, will that adjust? If it, I'm surprised it dropped thirty points. Uh, that seems like a big drop, but it's still at eight seventeen is a great score. And this sounds like somebody who's not going out to take out another loan anytime yeah. soon. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I'm making an assumption: a couple credit cards will keep open, keep charge a little bit, pay it off on a monthly basis. Just <laughs> keep some activity going on two lines. Everything else, I, what I understood was he's debt free, uh, unless maybe okay, I might go buy another car, uh, you know, and finance or either you know. If but he still. With an over eight hundred, I don't think he's going to have a problem. Yeah, you, I would say you know, my, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head. If you wanted zero percent financing for thirty six months, you probably could get it. You know, again, I'm just off the top of my head thinking something like that. But so he's in great shape. Yeah, so this sounds like definitely just a temporary uh, ding on that credit score. Another email here. This one says two of our young adult children, whose college expenses were paid for us for, for by us parents, are considering going to graduate school. They will have to pay for these degrees. What should they take into consideration when designing whether to pursue further education? Any advice you can share would be helpful. Well, first, they need to look at the value of that graduate degree. And uh, now it's very easy to research the type of jobs that will be associated with that degree and the um, salaries, the average salaries, depending on the region. So you need to look at that before you decide to pursue that. Um, If those those students are now working, often the employers will pay for part of that advanced degree if it's adding to their skills in that existing workplace. So that's something to consider as well. Um, But whether or not they're going to take on loans or just, um, as I did when I went for my MBA, I would just work a semester to save enough money to be able to pay for the next semester. 
and that's how I handled it. Um, so you can do pay as you go um, and look at some options that way. But again, research the degree, research the jobs you're going to get with that degree and the average salaries. Are there usually scholarships available for graduate degrees? Sometimes, but they're rarer than what you'll find for undergraduates. Um, and uh, the assumption is that there are a lot of employers out there who will pick up the tab on graduate degrees, so you don't have as many other options. We need to take one final break this hour. We've got some open phone lines again. We've got some good calls so far on this open topic day, but we've got time for you to call in with your financial question as well. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this short break. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janerson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. Uh, we've got some phone calls on the line, so let's head immediately back. We start in Mobile and say hello to Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I have, uh, I'm have. i renegotiating a home equity loan. It's one that I've had for a, a long time, but I'm going to another banking institution because it's a much lower rate. Uh, they seem to be taking a long time, uh, and I understand the Fed is going to meet this Friday, and there's a chance that they may go up on interest rates. Uh, do I have any recourse uh, in, in in that if it goes up before we finalize the uh, transfer? I would say you, you don't. I mean, I think if you say an equity line, it is kind of maybe it is it's a it's a loan against your house, but it's not like a first mortgage purchase money where I guess you used to kind of you could lock in a lock in a rate. Um, but this is just an equity line. Uh, you know, they're going through their I guess their steps to to approval and yeah, if it doesn't close to after that, you know, rates could go up a pinch. Uh, I don't see them. I, I make an assumption. I I don't see that that bank just going up through three or four or five percent on you. No, no, no. But um, go up a quarter percent. Yeah, quarter. And um, I don't know if it's going to be fixed or variable. That's that's where the catchy is right there in that equity line. Is it going to be a fixed rate for a certain period of time, or is it going to yeah, be variable all the way? Fixed rate for a certain period of time. Okay, so it's just kind of like an installment loan payout. If it goes yeah. up a half percent, here's why I tell you: if you get into that. Where you, if you really want to save money, pay a little bit extra each month, ten or fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars to pay it off early. That's where you save interest. So, how long are they going to fix it? 
uh, they either going to fix it at three percent for three years or three and a quarter percent for five. Okay, uh, that's a real low rate considering what's been going on, and, and the other home equity loans for all at five percent thereabouts. Right, uh, uh, we've seen a drastic increase because that three to three and a half is is rivaling what we're seeing on you know fifteen year mortgages, and, and in some cases yeah. thirty year mortgages if you have a good um, score. So um, I, I wouldn't worry too much about whether the rates are going to go up. Uh, I think if you're getting a better deal and you need to do it. Um, let me also ask you, on your first mortgage, what's the interest rate on that? Uh, 4.95, 5%. Whoa. Okay. So um, would it be possible for you just to do a straight refinance of the total amount? No, I well, that's all I'm doing is transferring it from one institution to another. But uh, the no. uh, initial N- that 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 doesn't. Are you sure? Are you sure you're refinancing the total thing? You said you were doing just the home equity. Uh, right. I had a home equity loan for a total in one bank, and and that, uh, another bank has decided to to pay that off, which they have already done. But yet we have not finalized the interest rate yet. Okay, but but what I'm talking about is to do a refinance of both the first mortgage and the home equity line of credit all in one. I don't have a first mortgage, I suppose. It's just the home equity line of credit. My okay, house so is paid you're, off. You're okay, ha- your yeah. house is paid off. All right. So um, I was a little confused when you told me your, your mortgage rate was almost 5%. Well, the uh, home equity loan that I had at the other bank. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, uh, okay. Then I'm going to be nosy. How much is the the size of this loan? Twenty three. Okay. Twenty three five. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, not, I know it's pennies, but you know I'm just wondering. They they just seem to be dragging their feet, and I was just wondering if I had any recourse. No, I, I will say this. However, it all finalizes. You. It sounds like you know you told Nancy what three years, three and a half years. Is it gonna? Is it like uh, amortized over like ten years? But you, it's gonna balloon in three, or is it a straight no, payout where it's no, paid no, out in it, three? It, payout in either three or five. Uh, probably gonna, okay. I'm gonna go with five because the, the uh, that would be less per month. Sure. Payment. Makes sense. Sounds good. All right, Richard, thanks for your call. Uh, let's get one last call in before the uh, hour ends. Another caller from Mobile. This time we talk to Clarence. Good morning, Clarence. Good morning. I have, I have my house up for sale, and my house is a combination of commercial property and residential property. Uh, my wife used to have the front of the house as a salon, hair salon, and we lived in the back of it. Well, I owned a construction company, and I doubled the size of the house. And unfortunately, I'm the white elephant in the neighborhood. Uh, there's nothing around me I, that I know of that sold for more than fifty thousand. I've got mine up for sale for two hundred and seventy-five, uh, and really, it is just everything in it is fantastic and beautiful. And I had architects design this. Uh, it was a showcase for my construction company before I quit construction. <laughs> anyway, um, my question is this. Do I need to go to a bank and see how much they would loan on that house before I can sell it? I've had it up for sale for over a year and not one call. But uh, This is an absolutely gorgeous house. 
but I'm just in the wrong neighborhood. But I don't know if I'm just fooling myself by having uh, this have, high price. Have you, have you had an appraisal on the property yet? No. Okay. I, I'll be honest with you. To give you an idea, I guess I'm going to say my simple words are marketable value. But if you want to do I would probably talk to an appraiser because they're going to just, again, they're going to look at your property and probably try to find some comps. And then just in so many words, they just say, here's what we think it might be worth. Um, there, there are no comps. That's going to be a problem for you. That's going to be a big That's going to be a problem. And the other problem you're going to have is the mixed use. So if if it's still set up for commercial use on part of it when the uh, appraiser goes in, there's – the very strong possibility that a lender will not touch it because it's just one of those unusual situations. And if you can't get somebody to make a loan on the house, you can't sell the house. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. I haven't even yeah. considered yeah. that. So, so what would you suggest I do? Get an appraisal? Yeah, I, I would say do what Chris said. Um, get an appraisal. That'll cost you, you know, three to $500. But I think it'll be worth it for you to have that and um, have some understanding of, of what you can expect in that location. Even if it's, I mean, they will not find any comps. This house could be an Well, th- they're going to have to find something, and they're going to have to find something that's close. And what they're going to do is just give you a dose of realism. Okay. All right. Clarence, thanks for your call. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I think we have time for this final email. Uh, it says, I'm curious. I got my MBA from Mississippi College 20 years ago. I remember at the time we were considered to be at full employment at 6% unemployment. Is this still true, or are there other factors that need to be considered? If still true, then the U.S. is in pretty good shape. Well, we are in pretty good shape, and that full employment figure, I have known it to change. Um, and that may be due to demographics and uh, labor participation. Um, and so it has been a surprise to me to hear 4.9 or 5% on the unemployment rate and have people still talk about, oh, we need to be working to reduce this because we always think of that as being close to or at full employment. You always have something called frictional unemployment. That means you're always in your society going to have a certain number of people who are moving around, changing jobs, or whatever. So you're not going to have 100% employment all the time. All righty. That's going to wrap us up. Unfortunately, we did not get to our list of generic things that you should purchase uh, every time you go shopping. We can save that for a later date. Always great to get phone calls and emails, though. That's why we're on the air, uh, to answer your personal finance issues and questions. Uh, a reminder, uh, you find your favorite podcast app and search for MPB Money Talks. If you'd like to keep up on what goes on on the show, uh, you can listen to the shows and then always have a reference uh, for things that you might have heard on a previous show. But again, remember to search MPB be Money Talks to make sure you're, that you're getting our program. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial supporters from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show other than the podcast, you can also find it at mpbonline.org slash money talks. Our producer is Sam Wells. Our call screener today was Jonas Adams. So for Nancy Lotter Anderson and Chris Burford, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's 10. It's in legal terms. That's followed by relatively speaking at 11. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9. For another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app. More at bcbsms.com. 